Hi, everyone. This is Melissa. And Kate. And Lainey. And we are the The Louisiana Louisiana Ladies. We are so glad you are here. Check us out on Instagram at Louisiana Ladies Podcast and visit us online at laladies.info. Well, let's go ahead and get started. We have another episode of Louisiana Ladies, and we are back in the McClendon room at Falcon Winkler um, because Melissa's schedule is out of control. Um, but we have two lovely guests, Shelly Killingsworth mm-hmm. and Josh Henderson. I, I, I enunciate that because I don't want to mess up anybody's name. So okay. both of you guys are with Worth Counseling Group. That's right. Thank y'all for being here. Of course. Thank you for having us. Um, we took a little road trip down to Memory Lane. We used to, you know, go to school here and oh, Okay, so we so saw we that. So we excited. saw your video. I saw your video today and yeah, I totally yeah. I was like, uh yeah, she's promoting the podcast. Okay, and yeah, I that's shared a it. Shout out for the women. You yeah, know? so whenever you said that y'all I think you said that y'all had gone to school here. So where yes. where was that? LSU. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and where are you guys located now? In Lafayette. In Lafayette. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So y'all are special. I mean, she said road trip, but I'm like, you know, to me, a road trip is Highland Road. A road trip. Yes. You made an actual road trip. Well, we are just for doing that. Of course. Um, So are are y'all from Lafayette? I'm from Elton. Okay. Yeah. You don't know where that's at. Okay. So it's like 45 minutes west from Lafayette in Lake Charles. Okay. Haven't been there since I was like, or lived there since I was 17. I okay. went straight to LSU, lived there in Baton Rouge for about eight years, and then moved to Lafayette and have been there for since like the entirety. Of okay. My life. And what about yeah. you, Josh? Uh, I was born and raised in Youngsville, if y'all know where that's at. I feel like I've heard of it. I have heard of it. I have heard of it, Josh. But if you gave me a map, I would fail a test. (laughs) Right. Well, if you know Lafayette, if you live in Lafayette, you know where Youngsville is. But if you don't, then we just say we're from Lafayette. But Youngsville is basically like south of Lafayette. Um, Basically, Lafayette's growing into Youngsville is kind of how we tend to joke about it. Where is that in relation to Cecilia? Hmm. Cecilia's in Burbridge area. So that's like right of Lafayette. I see. It's good. (laughs) Good thing I don't drive there. Well, it's we, good because we live in the center, center of Louisiana. We know where everything's at. That's true. That's true. We have a couple of people that work here that commute in from those areas. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. They mm-hmm. work remote some days too. But um, okay, so I, I I did not do any background information on y'all in full disclosure podcast people. So <laughs> okay. this will be super candid. Okay. Um, so did you guys start this business together? I started it on my own. Okay. So I graduated. Um, from LSU. Then I went to grad school at UL, finished that 2015, um, then got fully licensed. So it takes 3,000 supervised hours before you can get your licensure to start counseling, which is a lot. That sounds like a lot. It's and a lot. you have to like record all of the, you or you track them? everything, track everything. Wow. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, 2017, I uh, got fully licensed, and then 2018, I started my own pra- private practice on my own. Okay. And then 2019 is when I started Worth Counseling Group. Okay. And we've been up and running for three years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Josh? Uh, I graduated in 2020, so both similar. We both went to LSU for our undergrad, and then we both went to UL in the same exact program, know the same professors. Is that and how y'all, that's how y'all met? No, actually, um, so I was... 
in the process of finding new jobs because I was working in agency work and like outpatient work. So basically like that's in like the mental health hospitals and stuff like that. And it just wasn't really my vibe. Okay. Uh, so I wanted to find something that really fit. Uh, and I was applying everywhere and Shelly's the one that took a chance on me. And I've been here almost two years. It'll be two years mm-hmm. in May. Yeah. Yeah. Just to go ahead to uh, explain to our listeners, Shelly and Josh are not married. I thought that they were <laughs> at first. <laughs> no, and then I'm like, we're wait, she definitely has a different name and he is shouting out to his newly engaged uh Beyonce. Yes. Congratulations. So I was like, yes. okay, you know, Thank but you. hey, you know, whatever. No, so. we're besties. I'm married to Bo Killingsworth, and he just recently got engaged. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so, you know, I just, I just, just I don't know why. I just made yeah. that assumption, but then yeah. I, 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 can see I, I that. figured I can it see out. That. I figured, but y'all have such a good camaraderie. You just <laughs> we, do. we do. Um, okay, so. I guess, you know, one of the things that's always been intriguing to me for therapists or counselors is what is, what, I'm like, oh, Lord, y'all, case, like, what are you trying to say? But, like, what <laughs> what compelled you to go into that? I was looking, compelled, that's yep. the word I was looking for. What compelled you guys to go into that field? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that today, and I've thought about it a lot, especially in grad school. They ask you a lot of um, questions about yourself and your journey. Um, for me, I think it was a, a bunch of different things. Um, so I have a favorite uncle. He's a clinical psychologist. So I was able to grow up seeing him do this stuff that, you know, I thought was really incredible. Um, you know, being able to see clients and really change their lives in a positive way. Um, and I really took that to heart and I thought that was really special and it was something I wanted to do and it's something that was tugging at my heart. So for me, I know that, you know, this is the journey that God wants me to be on. Um, and you know, I just listened and I just went with it. And another thing, not as positive, but it still had an effect. When I was in middle school, one of my favorite aunts completed suicide. So you know, as a kid trying to deal with that um, and not really having the resources Mm kind of made me feel like, well, I need to create that for people because there is a huge need for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I definitely agree with that. It seems to be, and maybe I'm just more aware of it now Mm -hmm. than I was before, or I'm not really sure if it actually is more, I'm going to say the word prevalent, but I just kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I'm hearing about it more and more and, and even people that we know or have been close yeah. to and it's, it's devastating. So Josh, what about you? So I didn't know I wanted to be a counselor until probably my last year undergrad. Um, surprisingly enough, like completely opposite my freshman year of college, I was a physics major. Oh, wow. Yeah. Josh, I hated physics. How I was going to say, what yeah. was the plan With the- for physics? Uh, we were just talking about that on the way over here. Uh, so I actually... My, my end goal, right, because when you get a physics degree, it's almost a guarantee you have to go to graduate school and get your PhD, uh-huh. right? And one of my ultimate goals was to become an astrophysicist and work on whatever research team that was working on finding habitable planets. Wow. Yeah, and it what turned into a hobby was, like, destroyed when I realized how much math I would have to do. <laughs> and, and I like math. I love math, but too. But I hate physics. And I hate <laughs> physics, too. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> That's what you re- How long did it take? That really, did Josh, that, that just validated my feelings for physics, so thank you for You're that. You're welcome. Yes. Okay. That's what we do. We validate. How, how many years into the program did you get? Two months. 
Okay. Okay. So it was a pretty <laughs> oh, early yeah. realization. Oh yeah. I spent so I spent my two months doing that, and I realized, wow, I'm not making any good grades. I'm not doing too hot on this stuff, and I don't understand what's going on. So <laughs> I spent about four hours in a, a psych lab because we had to get hours every week to do that and I was reading some of the material and it was something on uh, hypnosis and dream therapy and I was like wow this is kind of cool so then I was like maybe I should change my major so then I changed my major to psychology and I stuck with it ever since and then I took a counseling psych class uh, towards the end of my uh, time there and that was kind of like what propelled me to figure out what I wanted to do I just didn't know how to do it so I didn't know what it was called I didn't know it was called counseling I was just thought it was like therapy so I did research, and UL's program actually came up on when I was searching for it, and I applied. It was the only one I applied to, and it was the only one I got into, so I did my journey through there, um, but kind of like what got me into counseling as far as like why that's where I ended up was I experienced a lot of trauma in my life as far as like um, having a divorce as a young child, um, being the product of a parent who struggles with addiction, um, being involved with a lot of uh, a family member who's always gone with working in the oil field and stuff like that. All that type of stuff has kind of led me into wanting to help others going through some of those similar issues as well as some of those different life situations, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me, it was I can use my own life situation and experience to maybe understand others and relate to them and then use that as well as to build rapport with people and gain some understanding and try to make some changes in people's lives. That's incredible. Thank you. I have a question. Silent producer. In the background. <laughs> Do you guys find that there is a similar trend in the personalities of people that go into counseling? And the reason I ask this is because we've talked that, about that, the Enneagram. That was like a well-thought-out question. That is. Well, here's what I'm thinking. We talk about the Enneagram a lot on here, and mm-hmm. I'm a two. And I see all these posts that are like, careers that are good for Enneagram two. And yeah. it always says counseling. And... That, like, that is something I considered mm-hmm. early on. Um, I mean, now I'm very happy with what I chose to do, and mm-hmm. I feel like working in HR, I kind of get a little bit of that fulfillment because mm-hmm. in a way I feel like I'm the office therapist sometimes in okay. a great way. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know if that was like a pattern that y'all have seen. Like a particular personality that yeah. tends to um, want to come in to do mm-hmm. counseling. Yeah. yeah. That's like just drawn into the field. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about career-wise, or are you talking about me sitting next to a client and doing counseling? I mean career-wise, like you career. guys. Um, you see, I think we're pretty different, right? Okay. Hmm, interesting. So, okay. absolutely. So, I think there's a lot of different types of people that can be interested in wanting to help and wanting to do that through counseling. Um, I forget which number I am for the Enneagram, but it's the really neurotic one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's really chill. Yeah. And I'm a six, I believe. He's Ooh. a six. I think that's what my husband is. Yeah, I'm but like an eight or call something. Patrick, like sorry, babe, you ain't chill. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I'm an eight. You're an eight. Too. I'm the challenger. Uh, I'm a challenger as well. Yeah, you look up that. Yeah, I don't even yes. need to take the test. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. See, I'm a two, which is the helper. And so I always see, see these right. things that are like, you want to help people and care for people. But I was just curious if and that was And you might like be more inclined to, to help because you are a two. Mm-hmm. But for me as a challenger, like I want to help too. Yeah. I want to do that as well. But maybe that's why I own a private practice. Yeah. Maybe that's why I take on a more risk financially, um, you know, to be able to do the counseling and the business side of it. 
So there's so many different things that you can kind of look at. Yeah, but I think we're, really we get point. all kind of different people on different personalities. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at like the, the field in general, like we're saturated with counselors in Louisiana, just in general, like there's at least two to 3,000 just like the Lafayette slash wow. like within a square, wow. like a 60 square mile radius. problem to have. In a way, it's a good problem <laughs> yeah. for people I mean, looking for it. Well, it might be competitive, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's to competitive. help people that are in need of getting Absolutely. connected to a counselor. Absolutely. Right. But as far as like the personality, I think that's why a lot of us from different personality backgrounds or just having different personalities choose counseling is because we get to do it in our own way, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of like we were talking, mm-hmm. I think, before. Everybody kind of has their own view of change and how you approach change, and that's kind of what sets each counselor apart from each other so that the person that you're seeing as a client is going to choose you based off what matches their style of what they believe changed. Well, and I, do y'all feel like, um, do you ever have a client that you're like, this is not a good fit? Like the client is not a good fit for you because per, I'm going to say personalities. Do you know, do you see what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And so I feel like, um, cause I feel like therapy, therapy and counseling, I mean, clearly it's a very like personal and most of the times an emotional, vulnerable endeavor, you know? And so mm-hmm. I, I feel like the, I've seen, I've seen therapists and one of the things that they've always said to me on the front end is like, Hey, if this isn't going to work, yeah. you need to tell me because then it's just not going to work for either one of us, mm-hmm. you know? So I was just wondering if on the other side, yeah. if y'all ever have a client, and I don't know what you can say in terms of, you know, professionalism and confidentiality, yeah. but like, do y'all ever have a client that you're like, I don't know if I would be a good fit for them, you know, and maybe they have a specific issue. Um, like my therapist is like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a therapist when it comes to any sort of addiction. Mm-hmm. She's like, I know about it, but that's yeah. not, you know, that's not really what I do. So just curious if yes. that happens. I have a specific incident. I can't speak like, you know, yeah. I can't Super, say yeah. all the stuff, yeah. but um, I did have a client who you know, what I did served a purpose for a very long time. Um, And then they had some other thing come up that was really heavy for them. Um, So, you know, after us doing our work and doing well with that, she came to a place of, I think I'm needing something different, right? Okay. So we looked for um, like a Perry counselor, like a... um, Perinatal? Like a perinatal counselor. Mm -hmm. Uh, to kind of help her go through some of the things that she was dealing with. Okay. More so than what I would be able to help her with. So, yeah, absolutely. There are times where maybe, um, you know, you, you time out. Maybe your job is timed out and they're needing something different. But there are other situations where, you know, people can come in and just in that first session, you can just feel that maybe energy wasn't right mm-hmm. or... You know, you try again, and you continue to try and to see if it's going to work, like the personality. But I think the client and the counselor notice at the same time, okay. like, this is not yeah, it's, what I'm looking know. for. You just yeah. Know. yeah. Well, and I'm sure with any other healthcare professionals, y'all each have your specialties. Right. That, what, that, I was going to ask that, too. Yeah. 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 What you work best with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of talk about that, if y'all don't mind. You know, what... And we are going to say specialty, but yeah. I'm sure people probably come to you and, you know, sometimes, I'll be honest, it, it can be challenging to find a therapist that somebody Certainly. is comfortable with, right? Certainly. So what what do you guys, what are you passionate about in terms of helping people specifically? 
Or as, again, my caveat, as specifically as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to follow the rules right. of y'all's profession. Well, no, this is this is perfect just because it's like, it's kind of how we market ourselves and set ourselves apart. Okay. We're yeah. all counselors that work not only with our different approaches, but we also have, like you said, different niches, different specialties that we work with, whether that's the population or whether that's the specific issue, right? So like for me personally, it's a constant changing thing, but you kind of find it after a while right so like when i was first starting out with shelly last year sometime like almost two years ago right mm-hmm. um my focus was working with domestic violence clients, okay right okay. but over time you start to do marketing you start to uh try to uh, do outreach and meet with the community and a lot of times it doesn't always work out, right? For various reasons. For me, it was being a male trying to do domestic violence counseling for a primarily female issue, right? Mm-hmm. Even though there are males involved, it's such a small, minute niche that it just really wasn't being hit on well for me. Okay. So I have to make a call at that point, whether I stick with it and hope for the best or I change it to something that might be a better fit for me. So then I ended up now doing what I currently love doing, which is sports and injury recovery counseling, as well as um, I work with a lot more relationship-based stuff on an individual level, not on the couple's level. Uh, I work with a lot of anxiety-based cases, too, okay. as well as uh, I work with a lot of men in general, Okay. Um, but men primarily in, like, STEM fields. So primarily, that's a result of me being the product of a dad who worked in the oil field, as well as me doing, I did a year and a half working uh, in the oil field before, okay. I, like, while I was doing counseling. So all of that kind of led me to think, well, I'm very well versed in it based off my experience. So let me just try to market and see what happens. And it's just stuck. It's something I enjoy doing and I love working with those clientele. Okay. So let's talk, let's go back to the sports counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, And this might be an ignorant question, but are you talking about, so somebody is physically injured, but then also the mental toll that that can take. Is that one component? One component. Yes. Okay, let's. So, I, I want to. I just so Kate and I really do like to work out, and I am very stubborn. I mean, I'm not an athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but like I remember one time to digress a little bit when we were both teaching at St. Joseph's. By the way, that's how Kate and I know each other. Okay, yeah, we used to teach together, and then she got voluntold to come and do this podcast. So, but I um, love it so much. So. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so we were teaching, and I hurt my ankle. Now, it wasn't anything that I needed to go to the hospital for, but, I mean, it was kind of swollen. And I remember it was um, Liz, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Fontenot? Uh-huh. Remember that, Craig? Yeah. And, I mean, I'm stubborn, y'all. I was, like, having a brace on, and I was trying to run. And she looked at me, and she said, if you do not get off that ankle and rest it for at least a week, you are going to hurt yourself, and you're going to need surgery. And you're never going to be able to run again. I don't know how accurate that was, but it, it scared <laughs> it me, and it made me realize, like, part of the reason why I exercise is for stress relief, right? Mm. And so then I had to kind of figure out, like, it is mentally challenging Mm -hmm. when you're used to doing something and you can no longer do it. So, I mean, I could see that. And And athletes that get injured. It's your identity. You know, I mean, I just coach on the high school level and I have girls who graduate and don't continue to run competitively or even, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe even in middle school where the stud on their cross country team and they come to high school and it's not working out and they might even just leave the sport completely but there's a lot of questions like who am I without cross country and you know a lot of things to explore when a part of you you feel like it is your identity you know Mm -hmm. I mean some of the first things like I mean Damar Hamlin is like 
a, a miracle on this earth. And, you know, the first thing, not the first thing I thought, one of the first things I thought when I knew he was okay, going to be okay yeah. is like, this is most likely a career ending injury. Yeah. Life changing. And that's going to be a lot for him to process. Yeah. So yeah. many things yeah. of like, I mean, football has been his life probably since he was eight years old and he's new in his career and, you know, but anyway, I'm not the counselor. I'm the lady yeah, so let's go. So uh, me and Kate will will go back to our guests now. We we, yeah. we you know no, we, like to, we like to talk. We like to talk. Yeah. So good. kind of expand Very a little bit on what on what you end up seeing. So y'all are all right in the realm of like those are some significant issues that I do see. Uh, the identity being a really big one, considering like with big transitions like that, like you have mm -hmm. high school stars that might have went to college and then they didn't make it in the NFL or just high school and they stopped doing it in. Um, college and then if that's their en entire identity that was their routine that's what they did now it's kind of figuring out who are you now mm -hmm. right especially if it's something after a traumatic incident or if it's just a giant life decision that you're making whether you want to focus on school or you want to focus on a career right uh, we also see a lot of anxiety and um, performance-based I guess you would say uh, performance-based yeah, uh, you mean that that aren't concerns. necessarily injured yeah. right like, right um, so like I didn't, I didn't even think that's about kind of that. the injury side which you guys are focusing yeah. on more of, or like just like life-altering things but we also have to think about all the things that athletes go through in the current moment yeah. of being an athlete right yeah you have the pressures that come from both your coaches parents your own internal pressure that you put on yourself you have all those different concerns that you have to focus on as well as uh I, like for instance my background is in uh baseball i played baseball up until about high school mm -hmm. and then i was in band transitioned from band for 10 years and i used to do marching band so being in the marching band you have to almost pretty much be the epitome of perfection mm -hmm. because you're putting on a show you're playing an instrument you're trying to look and match like everybody else and if you're out of line you're not in right there and you stand out like a sore thumb mm -hmm. right so that leading into college is a big transition but then trying to find another thing that fits that bill, right? So I play tennis now. So all three of those different things are mentally challenging, they're physically challenging, and it can teach you some really horrible habits to have in your day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. So some of the athletes that I work with, for instance, are going through situations where they make a mistake on the field or something like that, and now they have to figure out how do I cope with that mistake in that moment so that they can return Move focus to the game yeah um i mean you think about tennis for instance because that's something i'm like pretty well versed in and i am currently watching the australian open right tennis is one of the most mentally grueling sports out there because it's you yourself tennis and uh like a racket and a ball and mm -hmm. the opponent but it is a lifetime sport josh <laughs> so my dad used to say, i play tennis i'm like it is a lifetime sport and i will get back to it darn it <laughs> It is. It's something I'm probably going to play for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm very involved in my tennis community at home and everything like that. So, like, I see it firsthand in my own experiences, but I see it in just everybody else, right? You make a mistake on a point, and if that point still stays in your mind, you're going to mess up the next three points, mm -hmm. and you're going to end up losing that game and go down a break, if you don't know anything about tennis. Oh, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. So you're going to go down and end up eventually losing the match, right? And it's... Interesting watching the sport, but it's also interesting watching the mental battle these guys go yeah, through. Yeah. And that's kind of a lot of things that I like want to work with more is the tennis community because of those issues of how um, the mental side of things affects their performance. And that's kind of like my areas, the mental side with the performance. Well, and it's like, Kate, I mean, you've run marathons before. And so some that's a, that can Swirling. be a mental, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. that can be mentally draining. 
grueling or a roadblock. I remember mm-hmm. when I was training with a um, just I've tried all kinds of workouts and we were doing box jumps and he like kept increasing the height of the box and I fell. I could never get over that. Yeah. Like I could, I, no matter what I did, it was like my, I could not. Now, of course, it, I wasn't being paid to do it, so I didn't go seek counseling. But yeah. I could never get my feet to leave the ground. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, could Such not get my feet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I want to talk to you, Shelly, about yeah. kind of what do you focus on? And then we'll go back to, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping. I want to make sure yeah. that, we, that we share the wealth. Yes. Okay, so what do you focus on? So, primarily, I see adult women. Okay. Um, I have a certification in integrative medicine. Okay. Um, so, what that means is, it's a type of complementary um, medicine um, where you focus on how food affects your mood. Oh, ultimately. yeah, you wrote that. Let's talk about that. So interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially being, and I remember talking to my parents about this. It's like I, I need to like find something that I'm really passionate about. Um, I want to maybe look into food um, and how it affects us. Um, and then I was kind of thinking about trauma as well. Like, should I get certified in trauma? Should I get certified in food? And um, I finally made the decision. It's like, you know, we need this in Louisiana, especially with our culture. Yeah, it's all um, about food. Absolutely. So being able to educate our clients or my clients that come in has been really, really helpful. Because at the end of the day, you can do the counseling, you can take the medication, but you're still going to eat something. Mm-hmm. And what you need is to change the food that you're eating. So how do you go about that? Do you start with like an elimination diet? I don't do any of that. Okay. So um, what I do is just a very long intake form, kind of getting a lot of information, asking questions, asking about their diet. Um, if I see on their intake that you know there are anxious people, like a highly anxious personality, then I start, I do eliminate like caffeine. That's where I would start, oh, right? So okay. we do talk about caffeine. Um, I probably should do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a lot of people, I mean, it's unbelievable just being able to note that and seeing that in the intake and they're saying, I can't sleep at night. I'm so anxious. Um, I just like, I'm feel out of my body. I'm like, well, how much coffee are you drinking? Like five five cups of coffee. Oh, I'm not that bad. <laughs> even three, even two. Like most of my clients, I just make sure that they're doing just one cup. One cup. One cup. And it changes everything. What about tea? Tea is fantastic. So green tea has L-theanine in it, okay, which helps to soothe and to calm your mood. Um, I need to be drinking that all day. Is there a limit on that? No, there's no limit on that. Okay. So there's caffeine and green tea, but the other is, stuff outweighs. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's unbelievable. I would absolutely start drinking that, um, and you're gonna feel a sense of calm. Maybe even like during the day where it's the most heightened or stressful. I really needed that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's you know during the day at work and you're having a really stressful day maybe uh-huh. that's the time to kind of have a sip of Lainey, tea look Lainey's looking at me see, Lainey drink, works with me so yeah. closely yeah. I feel bad for her some days <laughs> yeah honestly. no don't I drink a cup of tea every night before bed and I feel like exactly. that helps me to sleep like I'm Absolutely. a cozy little baby so yes. I have my tea before so bed so <laughs> my husband um and I can say that he he really doesn't like to fly and he does it because he knows that that's how we get to travel and see yes. things 
And the mornings that we fly out, he never drinks coffee. He always drinks green tea. Oh, nice. Always. Good That's for smart. you, Patrick. Good Good look, at Patrick. Look, at, look at Patrick. Look at Patrick. Patty, Patty tea. tea. That's smart. <laughs> See, he knows his body. Yeah. He knows what he, he needs. Know, he know, and like, I kind of, like, until you said that, I remember him telling me that, but I just kind of was like, oh, maybe he just doesn't want awesome. coffee. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. And are there any other, I don't want you to give, off, give away, like, all your, all your findings, but is yeah. there any other food? That it's just like increases people's anxiety. Are you, you know? Oh my gosh. So lots of stuff. Okay. <laughs> but mostly starting with unprocessed foods. Okay. So getting rid of that will decrease depression, will decrease anxiety. Um, for some people, gluten is an issue. Okay. Um, some people have like gluten sensitivities and you can still have the same effects as far as like you know, mental fog, depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. and you notice if you stop eating that kind of food, then you'll feel better. Some people have sensitivities to milk, the casein in the milk. Um, so avoiding that and maybe trying something else like almond milk um, or oat milk or something like that. I, I will say that I do feel like one of the advantages of being in 2023 mm-hmm. is there are so many good whole I'm gonna say substitutes Absolutely. for stuff like that mm-hmm. so you're not gonna give up milk you know you, there are substitutes yeah. that are just as good mm-hmm. I actually um worked for somebody a couple of years ago and I I don't have technically a gluten sensitivity I've never you know it's never come up on any sort of test but it is kind of interesting that I feel like if you stay away from gluten just the population in general mm-hmm. I actually felt better like I felt less bloated I just felt I'm gonna say the word yes. leaner but you get you know what I mean absolutely but I do feel like it's challenging, mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds certainly. like an excuse. But, no, you know, it's just, yeah, I mean, if we, like you said, food, we're in Louisiana, mm-hmm. and literally everything we do, there is food, and most of the time, alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. Every event that you go to. So, but I mean, I think once you make some lifestyle changes, it's definitely doable because obviously yeah. some people have to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They yeah. get sick yeah. from it, you know? Say, I think yeah. it becomes a habit. One of my best friends has celiac, and so every time, like it was just her birthday, or any time we do any like friend gathering, we're like, we're gonna make everything gluten free, and it becomes like kind of a challenge, yeah. but in a fun certainly. way. And certainly. then I'm like, goodness, like she deals with this every day of her life. I yeah. actually made what I think was a fully gluten-free gumbo because they have oh, gluten-free flour. The um, oh man, now I'm, oh Bob Bob Red Mill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies looking at me like, like Melissa. No, it's like the it's literally a one-to-one flour substitute, and it was delicious. So, are we, are we Josh? You good? <laughs> He's like, oh Lord, we're talking about gluten. Okay, so <laughs> we're gonna come back to Shelly because I you you have suicide awareness on here, and yeah. I want I want to touch on that. Yeah, sure. So. Josh put a lot of things that he wants to talk about, but I want He's to talk about girl. the relationship <laughs> aspect of it. And if you don't mind, I'm going to say what you wrote on here, which is how easy it is to get married, but difficult to get divorced. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess, you know, you, but you're, you're counseling people on an individual basis. Right. So why are you passionate about that? You want to help people, I'm assuming, in that particular regard? Um... I think one of the reasons that brought me to relationships is it's one of the biggest components to your life, right? You make relationships with people that are friends or you have relationships as in like your partner in life, but pretty much our lives revolve around relationships. And the one of the reasons why I wanted to focus primarily on relationships is because I feel like that is one of the 
components to so many different problems that you're facing, right? Because you can have anxiety and depression, for instance, and we can treat the symptoms, but in reality, a lot of times it's probably your relationship that you might be having trouble with, and that's creating that problem. So I think relationships is a really core foundational thing that can lead to a lot of these other alternate problems. So I feel like relationships is one of the bigger sources of these uh, issues. Okay. Okay. Um, would you say, I might get, this might, if we have to cut this out, we can, but I'm just wondering, would you say when people end up coming to you, mm-hmm. is it they are contemplating divorce or that, you know, they're, it just, I don't know how else to put this without, Yeah, how, I, I don't know how to put it delicately, yeah, but like no, basically no, that, they're like, yeah. we don't know what to do yeah. kind of at right. their wits end. Like they, right. yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you, Kate. That yeah. was perfect. Right. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. that's when they're, and they're coming to you for help. Right. So a lot of them come to me whenever they're having issues where the question of divorce can come up. Um, not every one of them are married. So I do have some that are just in active relationships gotcha. with another partner. Okay. And a lot of the times it's, it seems to always boil down to communication. And it seems to be like the main issue with most couples is that we don't communicate well at all. Um, we tend to want to uh, react and say what we have to say instead of just sitting and listen to understand. Oops. And you are dropping truth. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm oh, triggering yeah. everybody here right now. Um, no. No. Uh, I, I mean, Patrick should be able to read my mind, right? <laughs> Come on. No, I'm just picking. I'm picking. No, I was but. in therapy last year, and I remember one of, like, my earth-shattering, like, findings was she looked at me and she was like, you want to understand and be understood. And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, is, that is really true, the communication piece of it. And the listening, I just feel like um, – we were kind of talking about this at a conference that I went to, and it was, um, you know, that marriage is work, mm-hmm. you know, and I, my husband and I have been married for a long time, but I'm not going to lie, like, it can be work. I think we can we can all agree, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's interesting that our society, we choose someone, we, we fall in love with them is what we're supposed to do, and then we proceed to have a life together with mm-hmm. somebody that probably had a different upbringing than us different ambitions, most of the time, different personalities. And if people, in my opinion, like if you, I think sometimes people don't necessarily want to put the work into it because it is work. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a blanket statement. I'm not accusing anyone. I understand sometimes like crossroads, people change in different paths, but I really feel like when somebody comes to you for counseling, like they have a sense of self-awareness to know that they need help. And that hopefully they're going to put the work into it too. Right. You know. One of the things I've noticed is that a lot of times they'll come in with an individual mindset of the goal yeah. of what they want to work on, which is yeah. which is definitely something we're doing because we're working with one individual. But when you start to get into a relationship or you get married or anything like that, we have to kind of take a detour and stop thinking in the individual sense and start yep. thinking in the unit, right? Because mm-hmm. you become a unit, right? So um, goals in the relationship is your goals, your partner's goals, and then the relationship's goals, right? So it's it's a big change for a lot of people. And I'm, I like what you said earlier about how um, different upbringings, right? Different ways of communicating. And a lot of times you'll see that there's no communication about those things, right? Yeah. And then so now it's your way of communicating this other person's way, and you don't really get to learn what's that middle ground for you and that person. So now there's just big disconnect between the two of you, and then it grows and grows and grows, as well as like, you get into a relationship and life happens. You know, you get into a new house. Maybe that house needs work. 
maybe you guys have complications with jobs. You know, there's so many different life factors that can go into a relationship. Tragic event. A tragic event, right? All these different things. And what ends up happening is you start focusing all these tragic events and you get lost in all of it versus just having the things that you fall back on, right? You want to fall back on a partner that's going to be supportive to you, that's going to be able to hear you when you need help. Um, a lot of times partners think that fixing it is the problem, is oh. the issue. Mm-hmm. And we do have a lot of fixers and we also have a lot of people that want to just listen and yeah. hear. And when we don't communicate those things, uh, I'm a big advocate for when you're starting to communicate, we communicate needs, wants, and desires, right? And that's kind of the basic foundation to starting that conversation of communication in any relationship. What do you need from me whenever certain situations happen? What do you need right now? Um, What do you want? Like, what are some ambitions you have? What are the things that you're wanting from me? And then desires is kind of like a further along type of thing. Maybe it's something like, I really would love to uh, maybe do this job or whatever. Okay, so how can I support you? How can I help you with that yeah. thing? And a lot of times it's it's cut off right there because not a lot of people want to communicate about those things. They go and do it or they don't talk about it before doing it and they end up making decisions that hurt the relationship. Um, maybe you take a job that requires you to work long hours. Well, what is the sacrifice of taking that long yeah. job? Right? How can you make it work with that person? So there's so many different factors that I could sit here and talk for probably hours on all the different things that go on within a relationship. But... Um, those are just a, like a nutshell. Yeah, you know, and it, I mean, it's spot on too. And so, uh, yeah, admittedly, I uh, sometimes am a fixer <laughs> and because uh, I am so assertive and that eight Enneagram and I really do, I am, I am a terrible listener, okay? It's a character flaw. I have to work on it every day. Um, but, you know, there's times where my husband will be like, okay, well, and sometimes he's asking me for advice, you know, but other times, you know, I can tell he just kind of wants to vent and, that is hard for me, um, just because I'm a talker too. But when I'm going to finish on this. I would be curious. I would probably say, if I was just making kind of an assumption, there's got to be almost every session that you're talking to someone and they're talking about kind of like them and the problem and maybe the problem's the other person and it can't possibly be them or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there has to be a, at a point in almost every session you say something and they go, huh, yeah. I didn't think about it like that. Mm-hmm. Literally yesterday. That <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I just, and I think that's where, I really think that's where talking to someone else and I will preach this till mm-hmm. the cows come home. I am very like open. I believe in therapy. First time I went and saw a therapist, I basically opened with 10 minutes of why I don't need therapy. You know, nice. I was like that person. Nice. <laughs> I was like, my friends have told me I need it, but like, come on, I'm a type A overachiever. Let's mm-hmm. get real. And then she told me I needed some boundaries and that just started a whole journey. On, on that, but yeah. I think it's good for everyone, and I think it is so Absolutely. valuable to find someone that you that you like and you can work with and you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. and hear it from an outside party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the reality is, you guys, you might care about your clients because you get to know them, but you don't really. You're not in their lives. Mm-hmm. Your stake in the game is pretty minimal compared to yeah. if you're kind of arguing with your partner or your spouse. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I just think it is so valuable. I was talking to actually a business coach today, and it's valuable on the business side too. Mm-hmm. I can tell my partners things all I want, but if they hear it from somebody else, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm hearing it from somebody else. So, mm-hmm. big proponent in it. I tell everybody that 
you know, when I took a little hiatus from therapy, I was not my best self or my favorite self by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, but I'm going to be my fa- best self, Lainey, because I'm going to start drinking some green tea. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So Shelly, let's go back to you and talk about yeah. suicide awareness. So again, like I alluded to earlier, it either seems more prevalent or there's more cases of suicide, or I'm not sure if people are just, I don't want to say admitting it, but they're just mm-hmm. being very vulnerable and transparent. So yeah. kind of talk, talk about that. You know, what are you mm-hmm. seeing and what can people do to help and, you know, all the things? Yeah. It's a hot button. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a sensitive, it is a sensitive yeah. topic. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you have seen the Instagram or Twitch. Yes. 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 So that's like, man. That is what's happening. So people are kind of getting misconstrued and saying, well, he looks so happy. He's just, you know, dancing and smiling and he doesn't look like suicidal. Mm -hmm. Suicidal doesn't have a look, you know? Right. It can take the the happiest, brightest people. Um, So being able to recognize that, um, you know, you can't, just look at a person and assume that they're not struggling with something really hard. And and look, let's talk about how social media can, one, you can portray yourself as somebody that you're not really feeling. And I get that. But Mm -hmm. two, on the flip side, I personally think social media can cause depression in people. Oh, certainly. You know, you go down this rabbit hole of, well, I went to this party and I didn't have a good time, but look at these people mm-hmm. that are, you know, oh, not that that's ever happened to I me. I know I mentioned I was going to do this on a podcast, but I deactivated my Instagram. Is it life-changing? I think I that's great. I am in such a better, like I wasn't in a bad place before, but like I don't even have the urge to check it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of just like in this phase of like, it feels kind of good that, not saying nobody knows what I'm doing, sure. but like I just don't care about it and yeah. I don't place it on this pedestal yeah. that I probably did like a year ago. Well, I I actually unfollowed and muted a lot of stories mm-hmm. that I follow on my personal Instagram. We still are active on Louisiana mm-hmm. ladies. I just find for some reason Louisiana ladies, I just it's I associate Louisiana ladies the podcast with work. So we kind of yeah. utilize it for and work and follow not, the people that we engage with, not, not people that we like individuals on Louisiana right. ladies. If we scroll businesses. on that yeah. timeline, it's going to be either our past guests yeah. or other local businesses. It's not the same as like looking at your peers. But yeah. Doesn't that give you a little hint though about like what kind of content makes you feel good? Right. Yeah. You know, that like you can go to the Louisiana ladies scroll, you don't get caught in the spiral. Like you look a little bit and I'm yeah. done catch up with a few past guests or whatever. Yeah. Whereas like on personal social media, it might be a different journey. It, it really is because, you know, it's, and it's just also, I wouldn't say that it causes depression in me, but you know, you do look at people, especially the influencers. Mm-hmm. And if that, you're going to go down a rabbit hole quickly Absolutely. and then they, they, they do one thing and you're kind of like, well, I'm not like that. Why am I not like that? But you're yeah. like that. So, um, I, I almost feel like, the people that seem that like the people that not seem the happiest, but mm-hmm. I just feel like we need to check on everyone is what I'm saying. Absolutely. Everyone, Absolutely. no matter how, cause some people are really good at hiding their feelings. Okay. I, I mean, not... I always see like check on your happiest yes. friends. Like Absolutely. I mean, check on everybody just the yeah. same. So mm-hmm. in, um, it was 2020 when Chelsea, I think it's Chris, she was the Miss USA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She, Miss USA. And so she 
that was January or February, and she had spoken at our national conference on this huge stage. And I was like, and I mean, I was in awe by her, just sitting in the audience. I didn't even get to talk to yeah. her. And then I saw that, and I was just like, I mean, stuff like that just kind of really rocks anybody's world. It's just devastating. It's devastating. Yeah. It's devastating. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I will say, from what I've heard, I don't have any children in mm-hmm. middle school or grade school, but the bullying seems to, like the social media bullying, that seems to be a little bit more prevalent yeah. than whenever we were in school. Yeah. And I mean, there's been the, a couple of stories of yeah. young individuals committing suicide. Mm-hmm. The thing is with social media, that school follows you home. Yeah. So back in the day for us 80s and 90s kids, you know, a prior to AOL Instant Messenger, yeah. if things were happening at school when you got home you were safe and you know kids are just in some cases not feeling safe because social media allows people to follow you home Mm -hmm. and it's really hard you know as a parent to know um or to be firm on some things you know with that and explaining to kids you know why you as a parent are setting a boundary with you know phones um, messaging apps, um, games that have a social component where you can connect with just your friends, you know, cause then there's a whole other journey of like kids connecting with strangers through games. So but even if it's just your friends, you know, um, and sometimes kids are not able to say the way that things are impacting them because they're afraid to speak up in a friend group. Um, Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is a, i I feel like, I'm not saying, I just feel like the middle school into high school years are tough years Mm -hmm. for any kid. They're tough for everybody. They're they're tough. I remember that being tough. It was tough. Mm -hmm. So, sorry. But yeah, no, and, um, you know, I just find just as a teacher that, um, you know, when you're in a friend group, it's hard to say, I mean, when you're 12 to say the way that you're talking to me is hurting my feelings or whatever so sometimes oh sorry Laney I'm (laughs) raping up against your chair Laney and I are sharing a mic uh to the listeners so we're super close today but anyway um but yeah that you know it's hard honestly that I say for a kid sometimes it's hard for adults to tell their friends their partners whatever this conversation the way you're talking to me the way you're xyz is having an impact on me you know a negative impact on me and I'd like to add also um in having conversations about suicide and especially with our children um, I want to dispel the myth that talking to them about suicide creates more of the intent to be suicidal Um, there's no research that states that you know if you talk to them about suicide they'll be more inclined to do suicide or commit or complete suicide So I'd really recommend people talking to their children, uh, teachers, get your school counselors in there and have them talk about suicide awareness, like open up the, the mic to be able to talk comfortably about it. Yeah. That's kind of what I was going to ask too. You know, we know it's a problem. We're Mm -hmm. hearing about it. What are some of the solutions? And I don't think Mm -hmm. silence, I mean, clearly I'm not, I just don't think it's a solution. So I'm really glad that you um, brought that up. So We are getting close to our time, Mm -hmm. but there were a couple things on this questionnaire. So I absolutely, oh, Kate, before I, hold on, before I say what Josh said about his advice, because I loved it, (laughs) loved his (laughs) advice, let's talk about the Rubik's Cube. (laughs) 
No, I was uh, telling uh, Joshua before that I just learned how, like, literally just over the break, um, over the Christmas break, because I teach middle school, especially, I find my young men are more interested in Rubik's Cubes than my young ladies, but I have had a few come ask me about it and want to learn, and my daughter, uh, who's turning 10 soon, she wants, we're, she's, she knows how to solve the first two rows, we're working on the top. Again, I'm very much a beginner, but um, so you used to be able to solve a, Ru a Rubik's Cube in 10 seconds. Is mm -hmm. your PR? Uh, 9.3 seconds was probably 2020 was the last time I did that. I don't even know if I could pick it up in 9 seconds. Holy cannoli. Are you still <laughs> able to do such? Not 9 seconds, but I could probably do closer to like, I don't know, uh, maybe like 20 seconds or less. I don't know. I'm just mixing it up, Mary, because you already did okay. the cross yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, here we go. Oh, I don't know. I'm not ready yet. No pressure, <laughs> Josh. It's not pressure. <laughs> yeah, I got to warm up. Y'all okay. didn't give me you. a chance. Okay. I actually had been able to do this. It was a long time ago. I did it blindfolded. Oh, my gosh. That was the most difficult one, though, because I only ever did it once, and every other time I would curse myself to... Do you get to look at it before you put on the mm -hmm. blind... Okay. You So... Uh, Little background information. They actually have a lot of competitions and a lot of rules. I was going to ask if you mm -hmm. did competitions back in the day. Goodness, no, because there isn't any. The closest one is actually here. <laughs> okay. There's, there's actually so. If, Kate, you get, you go do that. The top ten. Twenty twenty three is my year. <laughs> right. Well, the, one of the top ten people that has, is competing currently is actually from Baton Rouge. Nice. Yeah. So he's a top solver or whatnot. But anyways, uh, you get. 15 seconds inspection time whenever you're doing it for any kind of visual solve. Okay. When you're doing a blindfold, at time starts the moment you, uh, basically it would be covered by a box or some sort. Mm -hmm. The moment you take the time off, uh, the, the box off, time that's when time starts and you uh, you get as much time as you want to look at okay. it um, pretty much, but the time's still rolling. So a lot of times guys have a method, um, there's like three different methods that most people do for blindfolded where they memorize where the pieces go and where they need to go. Um, and then they learn all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. What do you want me to do? You want me to solve this? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we so do excited. on camera. We do. Okay, give me a second. <laughs> okay. finishing that. No, that was, that was amazing. That's okay, awesome. I will say, at some point in there, I mean, I was going to come in and like be, be like a little announcer, but I don't know how to do that. So, <laughs> but at one point, it was like, the yellow side looked done, uh -huh. but it then was. you kind of mixed it up again, and then it got done again. I saw that yes. too. Did you see that? Uh -huh. I was like, he's done. And I was like, oh no, he mixed it up. Yeah. Uh -huh. so, okay, so, that's awesome. and at some points, it started, my process that was the technique though. Slower. Did you see that between his hands and his eyes? Ooh, there was that. That was yeah. That was crazy. Well, I just got nerd. I just got super excited about the Rubik's cube. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of my students accidentally, air quotes, I don't know, punked me because he brought a Rubik's cube to school, and um, so I was trying to solve it, and I got to my last step, and it didn't work, and I was like, uh, perhaps user error. I might have messed something up. Uh -huh. So I'm, I went back start you know go through the process again and it's still mixed up and I was like this kid is trying to punk me he took corners off and moved them I know it so I went and found my student that's helping me become a better Rubik's Cuber and I was like see if you can solve this and he came back to my classroom later and he's like yeah you're being punked I fixed it he did oh. yeah. well he fixed yeah. it for you he that turned the corner the for you oh yeah well I wouldn't have known because I've never I've never solved one okay so we'll 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 end with Josh and then go back to Shelly but 
you know, the advice that you would like to offer our listeners. Did you read this, Kate? I did. Okay. I did. But now, I, but I, I can't remember, though. I, I'm telling you, I every did time I ask homework, Kate a question, she looks I terrified. Did, no, but I did, I did do, because I'm scared <laughs> of being, getting the wrong answer. I'm a, I don't know what Enneagram I am, but I know I'm a perfectionist, for okay. sure. I'm You're like, probably a one. But I did, I did a deep dive on um, the uh, Worth Counseling social media, yeah. both of your personal social medias, or at least the ones that are public and linked, and I read both of them, so I'm like, what's the question Aww. of the test she's about oh, to ask? Oh, no, it's, it's just this great piece of advice. It says, a bad moment of your day does yeah. not have to result in a bad day. Even the best days have bad moments. A bad moment may take up 10 seconds of your day, but there are still 23 hours and some change left in the day to change it. I do remember that, and I I love that. Can we have this printed (laughs) and blown up and put in Melissa Torito's office? Because (laughs) Rome is burning here every day, Josh. I thought that was great. And I mean, I feel like that kind of can, kind of came out of the. Po- I mean, it didn't come out of the positive dog, but, but it's very positive dog. It's a book that it we're is. reading. Um, very positive dog. Love it. But Love it. That is amazing. Absolutely perfect. Okay, so we're gonna go back to Shelly really quick. So, um, interesting fact about Shelly is she has a precious French bulldog named Rudy. He's so cute. How old is Rudy? <laughs> He's six. He's six. And he's beautiful. Is he the love of your life? He is my baby. Yep. I have have two dogs. They are both not disciplined. And I'm like, I don't. not either. I don't care. I don't care. Um, So let's see. And then you're going to Italy this summer. Going to Italy this summer for a wedding. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. That's going to be amazing. It's going to be in in Tuscany. So we're going to go to Tuscany first for the week, and then my husband and I are going to go to Switzerland after. (gasps) So it's going to be epic. Oh, good for you. And you probably definitely a well-deserved break. I always wonder when I leave my therapist how she she does that every day. Yeah. (laughs) I literally am like... I would be mentally drained listening yeah, to all you people and their problems. We get that a lot. Yeah. And that's why that's why I think it really does take a certain type of person mm-hmm. it does. who is passionate about it. I feel like you can probably tell if you go to a therapist and are not passionate about it. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't feel like they're, uh, being a licensed counselor or therapist is something you can just clock in to clock out. It's just not. You're not going to be able to get on autopilot. Right. Um, so... We certainly appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for, ma- yeah, for making the so trip. Much. So much. This was so fun. And um, it, this was this was really great. Such a, such, great. Do y'all want to drop like websites, social media, tell yes, people where you. to find you? Yes. Oh, yes. Do it, Shelly. So www.worth-counseling.com is our website. Make sure you're looking on your computer and not your cell phone. You want to make sure that you're seeing everything um, in all of our bios, for our counselors and everything we have to offer. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Worth Counseling Group, and then Facebook, the same thing, Worth Counseling Group. And then Bo, uh, Josh has his own personal mm. um, Instagram as well, so that y'all can follow yeah, him. Yeah, I think it's at Joshua Henderson PLPC, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's the name of your podcast? The Counselor Chronicles. Love it. Thank yeah. you. I feel like have all of their stuff y'all need to check it on out. the post for this episode. Yes. Yay. Awesome. It will be on the post. So thank you all very much. That was super informative. And know that some delicate top, there are some delicate topics. So yeah. thank you for sharing course, um, that yeah. information with our listeners. And to our listeners, we hope everyone has a great week. Bye. 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 <laughs> Kate's trying to do a Rubik's Cube. I know. The first step is...
maybe we could talk about it later. Um, but the first step, I'm a beginner, um, and so I make my white uh, cross at the top. Mm -hmm. And aside from just thinking through, like, okay, if I want this one to, well, it, that was easy. But like, anyway, I don't know if there's an algorithm. Everything else that I do is just a move. Yeah. That one, this one, I have to think about what I'm doing. <laughs> but anyway, we can chat about Rubik's Cube um, and our other podcast, Rubik's Chat. All right, that's gonna go at the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this week's blooper. Yeah, we've been putting the bloopers in. Did you hear the last one? Okay, um, cards on the table. I've had a crazy couple of weeks. I have not listened, I still haven't listened to the end of our catch up episode oh, and so last week's episode with the guest I was like trying to get forever. Like, I'm so excited about it, but I just life, hashtag life. Okay. Hashtag life.